Hello everyone, and welcome to the Couch Strategist, an F1 podcast. I'm your host, Liam Pardo, um, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the first and inaugural episode of the Couch Strategist, an F1 podcast. This is a new experience for me, first time ever making a podcast episode, first time ever making a podcast, um, and I'm excited, a little bit nervous, but excited to hit the track, talk all things F1, and yeah, I'll be your host. I'm going to take you on this journey. It's going to change. It's going to be exciting. But I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share with you. And hopefully you're excited to join me off track and experience all things F1. So just before we kind of kick off and get started and dive into everything, I wanted to just take a moment to introduce myself, introduce a little bit about the podcast, give a little bit of an overview of what's going to happen as this is the pilot episode. As it is, it's called The Story of the Couch Strategist, so I'll be introducing myself, talking a little bit about who I am, what you can expect from the podcast, and then diving into where the Couch Strategist come from, the story behind it, my experience, and then basically we'll just go into some fun chats, what's been happening in the world of F1 lately, what's been going on. So, um, for as long as I can remember, I have been a Formula One fan. And over the years, from the early 2000s, I've been able to witness some incredible events, some of you which you may be able to relate to, some of you may not. And that's all okay. That's why we're all here, every single one of us. We all have different ranges of experience with Formula One. But I've been there initially from Michael Schumacher, Battling Shark, Villeneuve. Back in the day, one of the most iconic liveries, in my opinion, was watching Fernando Alonso race in the blue and yellow Renault. I've been there for the first ever night race when that came into Formula One, um, which was held at Singapore. And then obviously some classic battles over there between Hamilton and Rosberg in the Mercedes, lots of crashes, um, to current day head-to-head of Hamilton versus Verstappen, and at the moment now in the Verstappen era. So kind of just a little bit of a goal and an overlook of the podcast. Basically, I just want to share my passion for F1 with you. Hopefully build a bit of a community, a safe space where people can get involved, to ask questions, to learn, and just kind of enjoy the sport the way I do. So whether you're a new kind of Formula One fan that's just watched Drive to Survive and getting involved now, or you're a veteran that's been watching for years, this is a place for all of you. Um, the point of this is I hopefully want to interact with you. Hopefully I can share some insights. I don't claim to be any sort of expertise or knowledge on any of these things, but I will share my opinions, hopefully start some conversation. And basically the main aim behind this is Formula One race weekends in our home and our house are a standard, a staple on the weekend, a lot of fun. We'll get into that a bit later about what we do. But basically I want to share that with you, get you involved and hopefully experience the Formula One race weekend uh, the way I do and the way we do in our home and hopefully share that with you as the couch strategist from the comfort of my home and hopefully you can enjoy it the same way that we do. So before we dig in, before we go into the podcast, um, what you can expect from this podcast. So basically in each episode, I'll be covering anything from race previews to race recaps, latest news, anything that's going on in the world of Formula One. 
Um, and then there'll also be some special segments as well. So every race weekend, a big part of being the couch strategist, where the name comes from, is we have Sunday snacks every Sunday to watch the races. So we'll doing a, we'll be doing a Sunday race featured snacks, um, where we everything that we cook, create, eat, snack on for the race. We'll be sharing those pictures, recipes, so you two at home can not only get some F1 knowledge, enjoy the race weekend, but fuel up your tummies for race weekend and lights out. So, without further ado, with that intro, I will dive into the story behind The Couch Strategist. And welcome back to The Couch Strategist. For those of you who are still with us, thank you. Um, as I said earlier, I'm Liam. I'll be your host going forward um, and hopefully going on this journey with you as we go. Um, so let's kick off, I think, where the original idea for the podcast, I guess, and where the Couch Strategist name comes from. So the story behind it, why starting a podcast, um, I talk about Formula One and F1 and race weekends with friends, with family all the time um, and I've always loved it, always enjoyed it, always getting heated debates going and just sharing information and knowledge and trying to enjoy it and share it with everyone in my life. So I thought why not expand, expand that and kind of keep that going. Um, so that's the reason for sharing the podcast. The reason behind The Couch Strategist, um, it's a running joke with my partner and I. She always says that in an ideal world, I should have not been doing the job that I do and been a Formula One strategist. Um, and the couch bit, kind of guess play on couch potato, not a full couch potato, just for clarity to clear up. But big part of the Sunday, as I mentioned, is we sit down, we create tasty treats, we sit on the couch, we watch a Formula One Grand Prix, we act as though we strategists, we pretend to make calls before the teams do, act like we are the strategists. And that's basically it. A little bit of fun. Everyone can kind of hope and dream a little bit, I guess. So I guess if we want to start this off, let's take it back where most things do right to the beginning and kind of figure out why I was so enthusiastic or why I love Formula One so much. So growing up, um, Formula One to me was not just a sport, being a sporty kid. It was not just another sport that I enjoyed. It's something that was always a part of my life growing up. So kind of my earliest memories as a child were always watching Formula One Grand Prix with my dad. So not only just watching the Grand Prix, but again, might be giving my age away here, um, but also playing F1 games on PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. Yes, that is correct. You heard me. PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. Um, so yeah, I kind of always had it as a kid. Um, growing up in South Africa, I think probably the first Formula 1 drive I ever remember and kind of, I guess, where my love and passion for Ferrari came from, which we'll get into, and you'll learn to love or hate through the series, um, was around Michael Schumacher. So I guess this was kind of, for a lot of people, Michael Schumacher at the time was the pinnacle. Um, he was winning everything. Young German kid went up into Ferrari, and as an F1 fan, a lot of people would associate that time Ferrari being the pinnacle at the height of F1, or if you ever thought of F1, people would relate the red Ferrari or the Ferrari name to it. Um, so I kind of guess that's where my relationship and connection with Ferrari started and as well as loving Formula One. So kind of 
from an early age, um, I always supported Ferrari drivers. So not only Michael Schumacher, but as the years went on, Felipe Massa with that iconic Lumo Green Brazilian helmet, Rubens Barrichello as well, um, Kimi Raikkonen, Fernando Alonso. And then leading to current day as well, so through Seb Vettel, um, kind of now getting on to Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Although at the moment, it's not the best time to be a Ferrari fan in Formula 1. And I guess that's kind of where the car strategist came in. We all know the running meme of the clown car circus that is Ferrari strategy and strategists and team at the moment. But we'll get into that as the series goes on and through the different race weekends. So, I'm guessing, by now, you can kind of tell that I'm a massive Ferrari fan. Um, And hopefully, I'll connect with a few of you who kind of can experience and connect with me in the same way, going through heartbreak, season on season, race weekend on race weekend, week on week, when they continue to let us down. Um, But just going back to growing up, and as I mentioned, earliest memories of Michael Schumacher and the Ferrari, there were obviously some other iconic I would kind of guess pivotal moments or memories that I have in my brain when I think about Formula One and how I am as a Formula One fan today. The first one probably being that iconic 2003-2004 Renault that Fernando Alonso drove. The baby blue, the yellow, the Telefonica sponsor on the wing. I think it was even mild seven back in the day that you could have cigarette sponsors on a Formula One car. But that car and that livery has always just stuck in my mind and I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but also as a kid playing PlayStation, playing games, playing video games, I just love driving that car as Fernando Alonso, racing around Monaco, full damage off, bouncing off the walls, and just winning races and standing on the podium in that car was just the coolest thing ever. And as a kid, I couldn't think of anything cooler than that. Um, and yeah, moving on from that, I think I've always had an association with Formula One and liveries, I guess. I've always associated, and I guess nowadays it's kind of moved to the one-sort liveries, which are really, really cool. And I love now how the drivers can not just have one helmet for the season, but can customize their helmets. I love that kind of personality and uniqueness that everything brings. So if I can just think through, as I mentioned, the Renault from 2004, iconic livery. Another one which stands out in my memory, which some of you may remember, some of you may not, was the Toyota F1 team. They had the Panasonic sponsor with the white and the red kind of slash dash all over the livery. That was an incredible livery for me. And then moving later in the years, Jensen Button in the Braun GP F1 team. That's Lumo yellow, Lumo green stripe with the slick black and white. Incredible, incredible livery. Um, and then, yeah, as I mentioned today, there's some, we've seen McLaren come out going back to their Chrome era with their sponsorship with Google Chrome as well, getting a bit of a Chrome livery going on. It's just some of the memories I thought I'd share of how these stick out in my mind. But I guess that was kind of me as younger days and where my formative F1 years, you would say. Um, but moving into current day and more recent times, living in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and over the years, kind of my F1 journey and motorsport journey has kind of gone through phases, heightened interest. It's kind of dropped off over the years. And then in recent years, re-sparked again, which has kind of led me to this point, I guess. And potentially a big driver behind it, that was kind of the reignition of this younger generation coming into Formula One, the George Russells, the Charles Leclerc's. We now look at like the Yuki Tsunoda's, the Logan Sargent's, Oscar Piastri, Lando Norris. There's this young breed of 
modern day drivers who sit on Twitch, they share their experiences. Um, but also just being with my partner who is also a massive Formula One fan um, has reignited it. It's a passion we share together. Somewhere down the line, you'll hopefully get introduced to Hannah and we'll share this all together. Um, and also her dad as well was also, he's in the South African Hall of Fame of Motorsports. Um, so it's weird how my life has kind of gone like a full circle, I guess, in terms of starting with formative memories of Formula One to now it being quite a pivotal part of my life. And I guess that's where the motivation and the justification behind creating this podcast is coming from. Um, so that's why we're here, Couch Strategist. And hopefully I'll be able to share that with all of you. Um, and especially as we look at kind of where the sport has come in recent years, we've gone from Formula One back in the day to now being more widely accessible all over the world. And I guess we have Drive to Survive to thank for that, although heightened and a little bit dramatic. Um, it's opened the gates in terms of bringing in different types of fans, new fans, people who can understand how it works on a basic level and just enjoy it and support their favorite drivers. We've seen things change from racetracks. We've got tons more street circuits now. We've got a new track in Saudi over the last couple of years. We're going to Qatar for the first time this year. And obviously also Vegas as well. It adds that extra entertainment element. It's exciting. And hopefully as the sport grows and develops, this podcast will grow with that. And you guys will interact with me and we'll kind of go on that journey together. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey, my explanation between all of this. Um, and kind of where I see it now is this is just going to be a free space podcast where we can talk about changes or upcoming changes to the sport. We've seen over the years the halo come in, which saved Roman Grosjean's life. We've seen, or I've seen back in the day, there was no such thing as DRS, the drag reduction system, to make cars faster, to make overtaking more exciting. We see that happening now. We see new rules, new guidelines, new regulations to make racing better, to bring teams back into it. Um, and it's all things I want to discuss get involved, reach out, let's have a discussion, and hopefully I can share and share some insights and some knowledge. Um, so yeah, and basically, that's it. So in summary, the couch strategist, if you're a new Formula One fan, an old Formula One fan, a veteran, but want a little bit of fun to understand how the race weekends are going, have some fun with me with predictions, a little bit of insight into the sports, a little bit of history of the sports, a little bit of history of the racetracks. This is the place for you. And basically, I just want to share with you the way I experience and enjoy and have fun with our race weekends at home. So on a Friday, generally, Thursday, Friday, post-practice, we'll have a preview session. Um, and yeah, from that, we'll dig into how practice went, um, how qualifying looks, what can I predict for the weekend, and yeah, and then dig into a little bit of recipe and plan some tasty treats for Sunday. And then post weekend, we will do a bit of a race recap, a predictions recap, what went down the race, what happened in qualifying. So basically, your one stop shop for all things happening every race weekend. Um, and just a little bit extra and a little bit of fun. Welcome back. And in today's kind of inaugural episode, the intro to the Couch Strategist, we spend a lot of time speaking about me, 
the podcast, who I am, what it's about, and where this podcast is going to go. But I thought let's get into some of the fun stuff, talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of F1. And where we are now, we're in the summer break, 2023. So those of you who are new to F1, the summer break is always mid-season, kind of just after halfway through the season, generally after Spa, the race in Belgium. And it just gives a month off for the teams to reset, the drivers to take a break, to go on holiday, to enjoy some golf, um, to enjoy some e-sim racing, to do what they do to kick some time off. Um, and generally, for those who've been around F1 for a long time, will know that the summer break is usually referred to as another name, which we like to know as Silly Season. And the reason behind Silly Season is generally, this is the point of the season where things get spicy, things kick off. If you think about it, this is your classic drive to survive content where there's drama, there's doors being slammed, there's rumors flying around. Um, for those of you who follow football, this is basically like the transfer markets, but it's a little bit more guns blazing, free for all. Um, so I thought a good place to start off this podcast as the inaugural episode was one, like I said in the pilot to introduce myself to introduce the podcast, but we were hopefully aiming to discuss a little bit of, of the summer silly season manic happenings but that just hasn't happened this year um and i may be jinxing myself because this podcast may go out and as it goes out all things may have kicked off and things may be on fire and there may be a new team in f1 or multiple changes but no there won't be a new team but there may probably be some changes by the time this comes out so if we have to think back to last year's season 2022 summer break um at about this point this is where or chaos was triggered. Um, silly season had started. And kind of the catalyst for this last year was the legend himself, the GOAT, Fernando Alonso, deciding to no longer be a part of the Alpine, formerly Renault team, um, leaving them and moving over to Lance Stroll F1, or as they are actually known, Aston Martin team. Um, and at this point, people were confused, not sure why, at the point... Lance Stroll was in the car. We know he's always going to be in the car. His father's son in the team his father owns. He's always going to be in that racing seat. But at the time, the car looked slow. It was not great. And Sebastian Vettel was not even getting anything out of it either. So people were confused by what Fernando was doing. But basically, this triggered a snowball effect or an avalanche effect, basically, which led to Oscar Piastri, being in the focus, the limelight, probably one of the biggest moments of last year's silly season was Alpine tweeting and announcing that he was replacing Fernando or taking the seat, and to then getting a big fat X for Piastri to come on and say, no, I had not agreed anything, and he would be joining McLaren. So this was silly season, kicking off in full force, so Oscar Piastri moving to McLaren to join Lando Norris. Um, and then again, the team changes, the driver changes just continued from there. We then had Alpine, thought they had the driver in Piastri, now had an open seat. So they moved for a French driver, Pierre Gasly, who moved into the Alpine team for this year, which we know who replaces Alonso and Piastri, basically, which then led a seat in AlphaTauri open, which Nick De Vries, after being part of the Mercedes Academy and working with Toto Wolff, getting an opportunity in a Williams last season, scored some points, finished ninth. I think, stand to be corrected. Thought he would maybe the wonder kid that they needed. 
So brought Nick DeFries into the Alphatari, which obviously led to Danny Rick being out of contract and leaving the sport, which, again, as a big F1 fan, massive fan of Daniel Ricciardo, and I'm sure everyone loves to have him in the sport and was super happy to see him back at his home in Red Bull. Um, and obviously now we've seen how that's gone full circle, that he has now replaced Nick DeFries and gone back into... And Alpha, or not back into, but back in the day, he wasn't a Torosso, but now into Alpha Tari, but still part of the Red Bull family. And hopefully, we can see some more of Daniel Ricciardo. Only had two races so far. Um, and hopefully, we can all kind of see some more of that. But that was last year's silly season. So, expectations were high. We've been waiting for this. And it just hasn't happened. And as I said, this may happen. Maybe I'm the magic catalyst. This is going to create this to happen but I don't want to jinx it but nothing has happened so far so I thought I would just kind of discuss a little bit of what's gone on in the news recently what's been happening in the world of sports and hopefully to kind of spark some conversation and get people thinking so with that in mind over the last couple of days some things that we've looked at some of you may have seen some of you may not have seen but Cropty um, so part of the Sky Sports F1 team was interviewed on Sky Sports and asked about his thoughts on the contentious topic at the moment, as many drivers, teams, and fans are getting asked about the sprint, re- way, sprint race weekend and its format. So he had some interesting comments, and I'd like to get your thoughts. I've got some thoughts on it. But basically, Crofty proposed an idea that going forward, we like the idea of having a sprint as its own event. So in previous years, a sprint race last year or the year before became a part of formula one where it was a third of track distance or full race distance on a saturday drivers got to race for 16 17 laps depending on the circuit and that would where you finish determined where you start in the grid on a sunday this has been changed this year as we know that the sprint race is seen as its own event so on a saturday at certain races like we had in spa we'll have a shootout on saturday morning which is a purely sprint qualifying where the you qualify, you start on the grid, where you start on the grid, you do your sprint race in the afternoon, where you finish, that's it. Has no impact on Sunday, it's an isolated event, and you get some points. So Crafty made some interesting thoughts or observations, I guess, to say that going forward, we could potentially have still the sprint day as an individual day, but create a sprint world championship. So have, for example, the sprint on a Friday, have sprint qualifying in the morning, sprint race on a Friday, and then the rest of your race weekend would be practice, practice, qualifying, or practice qualifying on the Saturday with your Sunday race as normal. But now having the sprint race as a sprint championship. Now this is interesting. At the thought of it, it sounds quite exciting, but there's a lot of things to consider. I'll raise some of those, get in touch, reach out. Let's chat about it. So if we think about it from a high level, great concept. Crofty mentioned if teams don't want to compete in it, they have no reason to. It's a Friday individual event. They have reserve drivers. Each team has a reserve driver, whether that's an experienced driver, whether that's a driver who's just finished F2, one F2 is in that kind of in-between F2 and F1. Teams could use this as a stepping stone to give younger drivers experience. Let the reserve drivers race. Let's say Red Bull don't want to 
race Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez in the sprint weekend. It doesn't seem valuable to them. Put Liam Lawson in the car. Get some Red Bull young drivers, some experience in the car. See how they go. Let them show their stuff. These young drivers want the opportunity. They want to be able to show it. Super competitive. Could be quite interesting. However, I think if we think of it from a sport perspective or where the sport is going, there's a lot of factors to consider. And I may be missing some here, but this is kind of just where my head goes, I guess. And feel free to challenge me on these. Reach out. Let's talk about it. But if we look in the current conditions that Formula One is in, we're living in a cost cap era where teams are restricted to only spend X amount every year. And this is set across all teams to hopefully create a bit more fairness. So if we think back to the premise or the thesis behind, let's have a Friday individual day, sprint world championship, the young drivers get to come in the cars, show themselves to prove themselves. Realistically, these are inexperienced drivers in Formula One car terms. F2, Formula E, all very different to a Formula One car. And they are there to prove themselves, to show that, put their hand up, put me in a seat, I can do this. They are going to be racing to the limit. What does this lead to? Inexperience, racing the limit, there's going to be crashes. What are crashes? Damage to the car, increasing costs. This may not be something that the teams potentially want to take on. Just as a consideration, cost is going to be one. What does this mean for the teams logistically on a weekend impact we're so used to in formula one yes it's changing with the sprint weekend but coming in on a friday we have friday practice friday afternoon practice teams have their programs figure out race strategy do some quality sims do some long runs this completely removes the friday practice aspects and again i quite like this it removes or rather it adds certainty to the weekend you now have one practice as you do now on a saturday to then get everything in, qualify, and then you race on Sunday. This could be a way to close the field in together as it adds uncertainty, it removes kind of those extra sessions to get extra data, and the teams that have the better tech have been able to spend more money and resources generally come out on top. For Formula 1 and the FIA, I guess, looking ahead for net zero 2030, so what this is is the focus on Formula 1 and motorsport in general and being climate-conscious sustainability-wise. The FIA has a focus on being net zero by 2030. How will this have an impact? So I think if we have sprint Fridays, the teams necessarily won't need to travel more. If it's planned a little bit better, I know, of course, the race calendar is going to get shuffled around to make teams travel less. I generally think you would have a Friday practice regardless of these races. So teams would potentially already be there. It just depends. Is the runtime of two hour practice sessions going to be the same as potentially a sprint shootout and a sprint race timing probably the same that's the same on emissions kind of tire wear replacing tires potentially would use less tires than in a practice session i guess teams would get less allocations of tires i know pirelli are focusing on that giving less tire allocations to teams as their sustainability kind of impacts reduce and i think the last thing we need to speak about is if it's going to be a sprint world championship does it count for anything? So is there any incentive for the teams to compete in this or is it just a bit of fun? So as we know, in the main world championship, the biggest way that teams generate money outside of Max Verstappen winning the world championship or Lewis winning seven world titles, generally in a team sport or in motorsports, specifically in Formula One, the constructor, so your Ferraris, your McLarens, 
they want to be finishing high up as possible as a team collectively as a constructor because the higher places you finish the higher money reward you get the more money you can potentially put into development into spend into research for the coming years so if we're having a sprint world championship is there going to be monetary value awarded to these teams for finishing first second third fourth fifth or as we said is it a bit of a, a showcase for the fans an opportunity for the younger drivers and i guess that will also impact how different teams will approach this for example teams further down the list like your horses who generally struggle for funding or one of the low monetary teams if there is prize money for the sprint world championship this could change Haas's strategy in terms of they could focus on sprint world championship and try to do really well when maybe the red bulls the ferraris the mercedes of the world don't really bother with us on a friday and Haas could generate some extra revenue through that which could push their spend up for the next season for the next development package and hopefully over the years bring the cars closer together see different champions see different title battles and that's inevitably what we want in the sport we want exciting racing every week we want to see different winners we want to see four different constructors fighting for the title at the end of the year rather than these runaway seasons and so cropty generated an interesting talking point again this was just an interview a quick two-minute interview he had some thoughts there's no kind of anything from what i understand on my research that's substantial about this or it's going to happen just an interesting talking point could be something to think about the future moving on to the next topic um in the last couple of days we've seen formulino the imola cat has sadly passed away at the age of 16 so those of you who have watched in the recent years so imola the emilia romagnola grand prix in italy um in 2020 we first saw formulino and he was a cat that kind of weaved his way in and out of the paddock through the garages and a lot of teams believed that this cat brought them luck um, and we saw Sebastian Vettel while in the red of Ferrari unfortunately call Formulino overweight and ignore him and over that weekend qualified outside the top 10 and didn't score any points on Sunday um, so sadly Formulino has passed away so we weren't able to see Formulino at Emilia Romagnola this year because of the horrific floods in the region we weren't able to race there but yeah, just interesting. It was in the news this morning. Formula One shared a nice little article about the impact that Formulino's had. And yeah, moving on from that little sip of news, I guess we can look a little bit into potential silly season and driver contracts. As we said, silly season generally kicks off with driver moves. Um, and we haven't had anything as of yet in recent weeks. The only move that's happened, as we know, is Nick DePriest's left AlphaTauri and Daniel Ricciardo step back in. So I thought potentially what we could do is just review what the contract situation looks like across all the teams, the different drivers, and who may potentially be in danger now or at the end of the year, how this could look next year, who may be in danger. So if we have a look contract terms, so in terms of 2024, contractually locked in, Red Bull, Checo Perez, Max Verstappen, all set. My understanding, my interpretation will be Max Verstappen, we know, will win the World Championship this year. Red Bull will win the Constructors' Championship. Checo Perez's seat, I do not think, is in danger. They will keep him on for 2024. 
I think if next season it changes where Checo underperforms and perhaps the likes of Aston Martin, the McLaren, your Ferraris, hopefully um, the Mercedes start to fight back and the Constructors' Championship becomes tight within a couple of points and Checo is underperforming, I believe then it's a different question. This time next year, Yuki Tsunoda may be in the question. Liam Lawson may be in the question. We don't know. Daniel Ricciardo could go back into Red Bull. But I think for 2024 and the rest of the driver transfer season at the moment, or silly season, Red Bull will see no changes. Similarly to Aston Martin as well, both drivers are locked in in contracts for 2024. We know Lawrence Stroll, the prodigal son of Lawrence Stroll, will always have his seat. Interesting debate about this in terms of Aston Martin have generated a quicker car this year, we've seen. They've dropped off in the last couple of race Grand Prix. We have seen that. But again, next year will be interesting considering Lawrence Stroll hasn't got to where he's got to by not being a ruthless businessman. If Aston Martin were competing for a constructors, as Alonso was doing at the beginning of the race year, Lawrence Stroll was not pulling his weight. Would Lawrence Stroll potentially get pushed into the corner to make a business decision to cut his underperforming son for the benefit of the team? I don't think so. But it's an interesting thing to think about. Ferrari, both drivers, Leclerc, Sainz, both locked in for 2024. Don't want to make predictions about Ferrari. We don't know what's going to happen. But there were rumors of Charles leaving. He says he's committed to Ferrari. I will expect both of them to be there next year. Onwards of that, 2025-2026, there are talks of Carlos Sainz moving to the Audi team that's going to be joining us, taking over from Alfa Romeo. Um... And then the last two teams whose drivers are set for 2024, which I believe will not change. Alpine, both Ocon and Gasly, both French drivers in a French Formula 1 team. Both have contracts for next year. Can't see that changing. McLaren, probably the most exciting driver lineup for the next couple of years, arguably. Both are locked in for the foreseeable future. Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri. Loving what's happening with McLaren at the moment. Classic Formula 1 team, can't not support them. They've gone from being shocking at the beginning of the year, thinking, what has Lando Norris done? He needs to move. To now being a leader of that team with Oscar Piastri, rookie season, looking like he can put his hand up, stand up with the big boys. And if McLaren can keep developing that car and pushing Red Bull, pushing the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes, they could be real constructors as well as even maybe potentially world championship contenders next year. Lando Norris, future world champion. We then get into some of the teams where drivers are not in contract as of yet. Mercedes, George Russell in contract will definitely be there. Lewis Hamilton does not have his contract yet for 2024. However, it's been ongoing. There's talks, there's rumors that should get done. Haas, Gunter Steiner, the legend himself, um, have not, as they do, have not confirmed their drivers for 2024. I believe Nico Hulkenberg will stay. He's shown in a car that is honestly washed, terrible, not that great, that he can get the best out of it. He's had some great qualifyings. On top of that, some pretty shocking races, going backwards most of the time. But relative to his teammate, Kevin Magnussen, Magnussen has been nowhere this season. And if we think back to the history of Haas with Mick Schumacher before that, where Mick caused damage to the car, as I mentioned, Haas, not the most wealthy, money-rich, flowing-through-the-coffers team. 
understood why Mick Schumacher is no longer there. Cost a lot of damage to the car. Kevin Magnussen is not performing. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see there. Alphatari, both seats are open. So that's Daniel Ricciardo gone in and Yuki Tsunoda. Again, the Alphatari team can always change. We know that this is often dependent on Red Bull. Red Bull, we know, like to say that, oh, we keep our drivers, we back our drivers. And then tomorrow, Sergio Perez could be sacked and Yuki Tsunoda could be in a Red Bull. So those Alphatari seats, always up for debate. And then Alfa Romeo, Joe is yet to sign a contract for 2024 with Valtteri Bottas. I think we'll still be in the seat for next year. But I do believe Guan Yu Zhou starting to perform a little bit better. That car looked a bit better in Spa, a little bit quicker. Joe's had some good performances this year. Um, and then lastly, our favorite Williams. Alex Albon locked in for the foreseeable future. I would love to see Alex Albon get a move to potentially a higher midfield team to show what he can do. Love that he's back in the sport. He gets more than the best out of that Williams. Um, but we're starting to see with James Vowles at the home, turning the team around, that car looks better and better every week. Yes, it's quick in a straight line, struggles at some of the slower tracks. But from a rookie point of view, Logan Sargent, Logie Bay, he has done all right as a rookie. I can't see James Vowles removing him just to bring in another rookie from the Mercedes program, perhaps. That car's looking better. Logie's had some good finishes. I do predict he'll probably get some points before the end of the year, and he'll keep his seat. So, that was a little bit of the first episode of the Couch Strategist and F1 podcast. Hopefully you got a little bit of a taste of what this is going to be going forward. Um, a little bit about me, a little bit about the podcast, what we can discuss. Um, but enough about me, enough about the podcast. At the end of the day, this is about you the listeners. As I said, I want this podcast to be a community where people can share their thoughts, their predictions, their excitement. So reach out to us, get in touch with us. Please subscribe on your podcast platforms, reach out, reach out to us on our social media. So Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it now, it'll be the couch strategist podcast and, or just drop us an email reach out to us on our email, thecouchstrategist at gmail.com and yeah, get in touch. We would love your feedback. I would love your feedback and it's incredible value to me as we kind of go on this podcast journey. This is, as I said, this is something new. I want to make this better. I want to make it for the Formula One fans, for you guys at home. So get in touch. Please leave me any feedback, any thoughts, any comments. Um... So yeah, please, as I said, please subscribe on your favorite platform. Leave us, a, leave me a rating, and help other people discover the couch strategies. And in closing, I guess that's all for the inaugural pilot introductory episode of the couch strategist. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about potential silly season kicking off, and I'm excited of the episodes to come in the season. Can't wait to share it with you. Let's get racing, um, and we will see you in about a week's time for Zandvoort, the Dutch Grand Prix. Um, thank you for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Liam, the Couch Strategist. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>